Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Anyone there? Anyone hear me? anyone hear me?
I am unable to unmute because they cannot, they won't let me in. I will try to reach Pastor now. anyone can hear me, pastor's line is busy, I am unable to get in. To all listeners, we're having technical difficulties. Please continue to hold.
Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for holding. Uh, welcome to the Refuge from the Storm Saturday evening worship service. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Today is Saturday, September the 15th, the third Saturday in September. We bring you greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black, and again, we say welcome. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm, a church and a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. It's our desire, we'd like to let you know again, to offer a gathering place for all TIs in North America and around the world where we can gather and worship God and to praise him for all that he's done. There is nothing more important yeah. than our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And John Jesus said, the work, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So we pray that something that is said or done today encourages your soul. The word says where two or three are gathered together, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And our God manifests his presence in a special way when his people lift up his name in praise and worship. So again, we say welcome. Today, our worship serving team consists of Reverend Dr. Millicent Black, and we have Minister Pamela, who will deliver the preach words afternoon and encourage our souls. Elder Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as our worship leader. Sister Cheryl Harvey will lead us in a beautiful opening hymn. And Sister Cassandra Lewis will lead us to the throne of grace in altar prayer. Sister Helena Thompson is serving as our talk shoe manager today and our music coordinator. And Sister Kim Straub will extend the invitation to discipleship in response to the preach word. A reminder of our weekly gatherings. This coming Wednesday night, we'll have our small group Bible study. That's on uh, September the 19th. And the subject of our lesson will be holding and molding. And our scripture reference is Genesis, the first chapter, 26 to the 31st verses, and the second chapter, the fourth to the seventh verses. And remember, this is our fall quarter study where we study God as creator, sustainer, judge, redeemer, who brings all things into being, and as God who co-labors with a sinful humanity and reconciling and putting order into all things. Don't forget, Monday through Fridays, we meet at 5.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, and 3.30 a.m. Pacific time for our early morning prayer call facilitated by uh, Reverend Black. Then we have resumed Saturday morning uh, prayer calls under the auspices of Minister Juanita Purdy, and that begins at uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 
and 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. That's our Saturday morning prayer team call. Please join us if you have an opportunity. A reminder that we will be um, transitioning to a new church call-in number. We will be moving to freeconferencecall.com. You um, go to your newsletter. We do have that particular number on the front page, and it will be 1-605-475-4084 with a pin of 971-288-POUNDS. That's 1-605-474-084, pin 971-288-POUNDS. Also, please remember that our prayer focus for September is keeping our focus in area, every area of our lives, especially keeping our focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Also, please consider as you enter your personal prayer time, please remember to intercede on behalf of your immediate and extended families and everyone within your circle of influence, from member, members of Refuge from the Storm Church, for TIs in America and all around the world. And please consider uh, everyone in your cities, states, communities, regions, counties, parishes, and the nation, and for all of our worldwide uh, leaders and influencers. If you have prayer requests during the week, please email them to refugefromstorm at aol.com. That's refugefromstorm at aol.com. And I will immediately uh, refer those prayer requests to Pastor Millicent and our minister, Juanita Purdy. Please uh, don't forget to mute your phones if you have any background noise where you are. We want to maintain the reverence of the service and show respect to the speaker. I thank you for your attention, and again, thank you for um, your patience while we got our phones unmuted. Now let's focus our attention on God as we invite the Holy Spirit to indwell us in everything we do from this point forward and we're asking the Holy Spirit to fall fresh on us and have his way in this in this service. At this time, after uh, Sister Cheryl has sung an opening song, Elder Carolyn will come and lead us through the rest of our worship service. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Good evening, everyone. Bear with me. I'm dealing with a little cough. Just so sweet. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to look upon his promise, just to say, thus says the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. 
Just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that you are with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Amen. Thank you, Sister Cheryl. Thank for you. Beautiful, beautiful hymn of praise and worship. Now let us pray a prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. The scriptures selected today are two. The first is taken from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 22 through 24. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. The second scripture is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 51 and 52. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let us pray. Father God, forgive us when our faith is weakened by our human susceptibility to the evil forces being waged against us. When we are weak, we sometimes 
block out our faith in you. We all on ourselves to become overwhelmed. We allow ourselves, I'm sorry, to become overwhelmed by our circumstances, and we stop relying on you in those moments. Embolden us with the power of your Holy Spirit to stay focused on you, Lord, and all that you are, to do your will regardless of the chaos surrounding us. When we are quick to anger, whether righteously or not, please forgive us and replace that anger with the knowledge and spirit of your love for us in our hearts. Give us a forgiving spirit in all situations. Help us to proceed our actions with your with the love you have given us. Lord God, help our faith in you to grow so that we will know you better and know your omnipresence and your omnipotence and thereby rely on you for all things from the smallest to the biggest problem. From discernment and making choices in everyday living to our pleas of asking you to end our targeting, nothing is out of your hands, Heavenly One. For this, we thank you. Forgive us, Father God, when we choose worry over faith and trust in you. Choosing worry only increases our suffering. It prevents us from moving forward in our decision-making and stymies our progress and growth in you, Lord. Help us to turn worry over to you. Worry is a path we need not take. Your son, Jesus, tells us in Matthew 11:30 to give him our earthly burdens, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Worry also lends itself to rash decision-making. The enemy sometimes uses this to cause us to act too quickly. Father God, through your Holy Spirit, increase our discernment and let us know, as you tell us in Psalm 46.10, let us know when to be still and to always know that you're God and you're in ultimate control. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now let us listen to a praise song entitled Bless This Time by Alvin Slaughter. It will be followed by Sister Cassandra who will deliver the altar prayer.
loving and merciful Father, we come humbly before you asking that you forgive us our sins, those trespasses, transgressions, and iniquities we may have performed. Pardon us and cleanse us from all such unrighteousness. Please create in us clean hearts and minds and renew steadfast spirits within each of us. And also, dear Lord, instill in us the obedience and a desire to forgive others their sins, those trespasses, transgressions, and iniquities performed against us, so that by you we may be forgiven our own sins. Father God, we are so grateful that you look down over us this day with loving kindness. We are so grateful that even as our bodies may ache, and our minds may be unsettled, you are there to heal us and to hold our spirits away from these wounds. We know we can thank your Son for his benevolent sacrifice, for he walked to that cross with a bravery that none of us possess, all because he knew his death would heal us and save us. We pray with faith and thanks in advance this afternoon, because we know you are sending your miraculous power into those who ask it, as they ask it, and you are giving our minds and bodies rest. We know you have said in your word that you will send us healing to our minds and bodies if we but ask for it. And so we do, Lord, humbling ourselves before you. We ask this day that you come into our bodies and minds as you have our spirits and calm and heal us and allow us to be better each moment, this day, tomorrow, and every day. Lord, you are holy above all others, and all of the strength that we need is in your hands. So give us strength, Lord. We are not asking, Father, that you take our present trial away. Instead, we simply ask that your will be done in our lives. Whatever that means, that is what we want. But we do admit, Lord, that it is very hard. Sometimes we feel like we can't go on. The pain and the fear are oftentimes too much for us, and we know that we don't have the strength on our own to get through this targeting. We know that we can come to you, Lord, and that you will hear our prayers. We know that it is not your intent to bring us to this point just to leave us in this painful wilderness alone. Please, Lord, give us the strength that we need to face our days. You just give us the strength that we need for each day. That's all we need. Keep us from sinning during this trial. Instead, help us to keep our eyes on you. You are the Holy Lord, and all of our hopes rest in you. And dear Lord, please bring blessings, healing, and restoration to all. And that includes the homeless, those prisoners, and those animals that are affected by this current storm. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer, and we pray this in Jesus, Yeshua's precious name, and by the power of his shed blood. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Sister Cassandra. Before we continue, I have a message from Reverend Millicent. He's being blocked. I'm getting on the call right now, so please pray that she becomes unblocked during this call. And I'd like to ask the minister 
Pam if at the end of the service, after the closing hymn, if she would pray the benediction. So uh, let us uh, continue with the music, which is the next worship song is entitled Praise Lullaby by Shadana. That will be followed by our guest speaker and our friend, Minister Pam, Pamela Williams, who will uh, deliver the message today. Thank you. Thank you. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for playing that song, which is a very favorite song of mine, as you can hear from the words. We talk about the Lord Jesus Christ coming, we'll hear the trumpet sound, all creation on the ground, we'll look up to see him in the air. Then the dead in Christ shall rise, and we should all be glorified. So that's in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, which is some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Because this is an important topic for us as believers to understand the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, the following tribulation, the triumphant return of Christ after seven years, and when he sets up his millennial kingdom. These are all things that the Bible that are clearly outlined in the Bible that will happen because the Bible says they will happen. And it's, it's very clear that we're in the time. Now, I want to make sure because the last time um, it, it, was, it was a little hard to hear me. So am I coming in loud and clear to everyone? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so I'm just going to start. Last time I ministered, which I think was two or three weeks ago, I talked about um, why we should study prophecy. And I have several scriptures about that why it's important. And many people still do not study it. Many churches still do not teach it. But it's it's an important aspect of the Christian's walk these days. Um, So I have that. If you want to see some scriptures about why God thinks that we should study this, I gave an overview of some of the signs that show that we're in the age that the Lord could come back. Now, of course, we don't know the day or hour. Scripture is very clear that no one knows the day or hour of the rapture, not even the Son, Jesus said, only the Father. And he knew it in this, in this earthly form. So we know that it's happening, but what we can know is that we're in a season that he could come back. Because the Bible also tells us about discerning certain seasons, like they gave the parable of the fig tree, in that when you see their leaves are a certain way, you know it's, the time is near. When you see certain things in, in the weather patterns, you know that it may rain soon. So there was something that Jesus himself said about being able to look at the times you're in. And he also said when you see these things, and he named certain things that we're going through in the earth right now, he said, look, when you see these things happening, look up because your redemption draws nigh, near. So that we're not out of order for feeling and believing that we are in the season when the Lord could return. There are certain things that the Bible talks about that would happen. I'm sorry. Somebody was somebody saying something? No, Pastor. I mean, no, um, Minister Pam. Oh, well, I, thought, I thought I heard somebody, and I was making sure that you were coming in loud too, because I heard someone say something. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm sorry that. Go ahead. That was the announcement again. We did say recording, so that means we're good. Okay. So we know that we're supposed to study these times. We know that we're in the closest close times because we're talk, it talks about wars and rumors of war, increasing earthquakes, <clears throat> which is if you look at the earthquake study on the U.S. Geological Survey, which is a federal site that studies earthquakes, you will see that thing go straight up from the time, say it was in the last 100 years, 
there's been a massive increase in earthquakes. You hear about them. There's more earthquakes right now, and they're more intense. So that's just one of the signs right there. It says there will be earthquakes in various places, meaning unusual. We even had an earthquake in Atlanta maybe about 10 years ago, which is somewhere you would never think of an earthquake being. So when they say diverse places, that's a diverse place for an earthquake to take place in Atlanta. Uh, wars and rumors of wars, um, it's significant increase in knowledge, which I talked about last time, um, about how much knowledge we have, how there's been such a rapid increase in knowledge, even like in the Internet age, that the knowledge stayed almost exactly the same for hundreds of years, and now it's like quadrupled or it's just increased in, in multiple times. So we know that knowledge is greatly increased. We know that the revival of the Roman Empire is one of the signs, which is Daniel 2.22. The Roman Empire is really likened to the European Union, which came up to put all governments together. The rebuilding of the temple in Israel, that's going on right now, and there's Jewish groups and students from the tribe of Levi that are preparing the temple right now. They've been doing it for years because when that, that temple, it will be the place where the Lord will come. When he comes back in the second coming to set up his kingdom, not in the rapture, but when he comes back after the, after the tribulation. The mark of the beast system will be created. Now, we see all these different, we see in the Bible that you will have a mark on your head or your hand. Now, whether it's a physical mark or tattoo, uh, barcode, we don't know what that will be. But just given the technology that we have right now and that they're already using, those types of uh, functions to keep track of, of pets and, and cattle, it's not a far stretch to believe that that will be a way to keep track of human beings at some point. And as a matter of fact, in one workplace, even right now, you can get a chip in your hand or wrist, I think, and then you don't have to use your ID anymore to get into a, a very top secret building or some type of building. It's not the government. It's a private company that's doing it. But they said the people get tired. If they don't want to carry their bags, they can get this little thing in their arm. Nobody can steal it or anything. So this system is being used. So these are some of the signs. Um, global TV, I talked about that last time. Part of the events in the uh, tribulation are that there's going to be two witnesses of God that are going to be murdered because there are going to be some people on earth that come to try to help people and tell them about Jesus Christ and about eternal salvation with the Lord. They're going to get murdered. And in the Bible, it talks about how the whole world will see them being murdered at the same time while it's going online. Okay. Also, that the whole world will see them rise back up on their feet and come back to life. And if you look, if you want to, you can take some notes so you can look these things up. That's in Revelation uh, chapter 11, verse 3. So those are two things that happened during the tribulation time. There would be no way for anybody to see, in the world, everybody in the world to see something, and somebody wrote this back when the, when the Bible was written. I mean, there wasn't even a TV, much less worldwide TV. So how could the whole world see them? So this makes you know that this couldn't have been 50 years ago. This couldn't have been 100 years ago. But if you look at that scripture and read it about the uh, two witnesses, it'll talk about the whole world will look at them. So those are some of the signs that I'm just um, leading up to 
what's going to happen? The last time I left on that point talking about some of the signs and how we should look forward to the Lord. So I'm going to talk during what's going to happen during the seven years. So after we all are raptured, the dead in Christ, meaning people that we know and love, that were Christians and believing in Jesus Christ, they'll die. They'll be they'll be raptured first. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then after that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, which will be us. And then what are we going to be doing? Well, I'll skip that first. And first I'll talk about what's going to be happening on earth. So during the, during, right after the rapture, and you guys have probably all seen the movies about things like that. Some of them take a little creative license. Some of them are not exactly biblical. But you get the general idea that it's, it's not going to be good. It's going to be mayhem, shortage of food, shortage of water, people hiding because if they are a Christian, they could be very uh, much in danger, arrested, or even killed or executed. So at the beginning, it's not going to be that bad because at the beginning of the tribulation, um, a person after the rapture, because you can imagine when all that, if that, that kind of thing would happen right now, what would happen? I mean, it would be just mass turmoil. So whenever it happens, somebody is going to come to bring home to the situation. They're going to, they're going to make up something about why these people left, where they went, um, so that they can continue, this person can continue to rule in the way that he wants to, which, which he's going to be the Antichrist. So the first thing that will happen was will the will the Antichrist will set up a government he'll come as a government leader. He will appear to be somebody that is trying to help people. That he's going to bring something like the New Deal and um he's going to help everybody economically now and it's gonna be a, a utopia and we're we're never gonna have a war again and we're never gonna have hunger again and you know, if you heard somebody saying that, if they could really pull it off, it sounds kind of impressive, I imagine. So if you look at Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8, it says that when we leave, the Holy Spirit leaves with us, okay? Then the Antichrist comes to bring turmoil. That's Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and you can also look at Daniel chapter 7, 24 to 25. So he signs a peace treaty with Israel. Now, Israel is very prominent in all of, of prophecy. So the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with, uh, with Israel. That's Daniel 9.27. And he will, <clears throat> that will be something that is the beginning of supposedly world peace. So for three and a half years for the people there, it's going to look kind of good. They're going to you know, have food to eat and things are going to be peaceful and prosperous. But after this seven, three and a half years mark, the Antichrist will break the peace treaty with Israel. And he that's when at that point he will reveal that he who he really is, that he is he's going to declare himself God. He'll put himself in the temple over in Israel and he will demand that people worship him or die. So at that point, um, he starts, he'll have things like you can't eat or drink, you can't buy or sell, you can't travel, you can't get food unless you have this mark. And if you have this mark, whatever it may be, it seems to me like when you're talking about buying food and traveling and all these other stuff, it is very clear that it, it could be, one, you know, some type of uh, scanning, 
scan code system. So, um, and I'm not saying that for sure because the Bible doesn't say that, but if you look at something that would happen, say, 20 years from now, you could imagine that that QR codes or barcodes or something like that could be something. Could be. I mean, I'm not saying for sure that it is. But there'll be something that they will use to prevent anyone that has not bowed down and worshipped the Antichrist from being able to do anything. You can't travel. You can't buy food. You can't um, uh, just participate in any kinds of in society almost in any way. So then those people, and here's the thing too. So since the Christians will be gone according to the pre-tribulation rapture, we're the Christians, we will be gone at that time. But some people, and this is these are the people that I very, very have a broken heart for, some people will not have believed in Jesus Christ before the rapture. So ultimately they're going to be left behind. Okay, so what are they going to be doing? They'll have heard about the rapture. They have said in church, perhaps. They have family members, perhaps, that said, oh, the rapture's going to happen, and if you don't see me, which I've said to people. I've said this to people. If you see a bunch of people disappearing, and, and you don't see a lot of Christians, and you don't see me or my husband, because we both going, right there, <laughs> that if you don't see us, this is what this is. And I've told them that. I'm talking about people that just straight up think it's a complete fairy tale. But they listen because they love me. The, the ones I'm thinking of are, are not saved and they don't believe it. However, I have a feeling that they'll believe it if they see the things. Like she said, well, remember when I told you, so when it happens, you'll, you'll know what it is. I, I said something similar to, to them. You know, you can, you probably, and they say, oh, I know that's your faith and that's what you teach all to believe. We're not mad at you. So they weren't mean about it or anything. But they just thought, well, that's what they believe, so whatever. But I'm preparing people that I love that I think may be left here. So here's what's going to happen to me. This is what may happen to people that are left here. So then they'll get an idea, oh, these Christians didn't make that up. Oh, they weren't crazy after all. It's really true. They're gone. The government is going to try to come up with some other explanation about why we're gone. But the ones that we've talked to, they're going to really know really what happened to us. That will give them the opportunity to start directing their lives towards Christ. And that will give some church folks, and I'm talking about sure enough church folks have been sitting in church all their life, they know about this. Or they at least heard Jesus coming back one day. So at least they won't be completely ignorant like a lot of like a lot of um, people that are uh, complete unbelievers, unchurch goers and atheists. They, they, don't, they won't know very much. But some people will know. So those, to me, would be the end time saints. There will be some of the tribulations, they used to call them tribulation saints, or you know, that's some of the terms that have been used in, like, in literature and, and, and everything. So during that time, they're going to have to hide out because if they don't, they're going to know if you don't have the mark and because you're not going to be able to do anything. So um, they're going to have to come up with some kind of underground way to survive. And, you know, the Bible says that they'll, they'll do that, but some of the things that are going to happen during the tribulation, I'll go through, there's going to be several types of judgment. Um, there's going to be, uh, like, judgment on the earth destruction, darkness, that's Amos uh, 5 and 8, desolation, Daniel 9, 27, punishment, Isaiah 24, 20. There'll be, the earth will be burned and people die. Um, I have the scriptures for those. There's going to be plagues, a massive shortage of food. Um, underground churches will develop. Look at Revelation 13 and 9 through 10. 
And a lot of people will be murdered and killed and they'll become Christian martyrs at that time because they do not take the mark. Because taking the mark means you have to renounce Christ. That, that was, that's a requirement. To get this mark means that I'm saying I renounce Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you, just take a sidebar from this real quick because I think I mentioned this before, but I, it's worth mentioning again. There were some people over in um, the Middle East. What country was that? The book cut their hand. Where they cut off the hand on the beach? Oh, there was in. Uh, oh, it's somewhere in the middle. So these guys were Christians, and they were the, commanded to um, renounce Jesus Christ. I'm looking up, and they said no. And when I looked at these people's faces, because they they showed like right before they beheaded them, and I didn't see any of them like crying or. You know, saying, you know, saying, don't do it. You know, when you looked at them, they looked as calm as you can be. The people had the knife; they were getting a chop off their head, and they just stood there. I'm talking about some some kind of Christian resolve because they they were refused to re, 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 denounce Jesus Christ. So they were beheaded right on the beach, and I and it's it, I just looked it up, but and wait. But I wanted to show you, show you so you can look it up for yourself. And you probably have seen this in the news and everything. But I, I found that to be quite encouraging. And I, may, I mean encouraging in the sense that because they were so um, devoted, they were in Libya, okay? They were in, they were in Libya, but they were originally uh, native Egyptians. But they were some kind of way in a Christian church there. And this, this is done by ISIS. So anyway, my point I'm making is that you, we're going to get out of the worst of these things, but some people who will come to realization after the rapture and they're in the middle of the tribulation will have to make a choice between being beheaded. Being, and it's not going to, I'm sure not going to say, we'll give you a, a humane electric chair execution. I think they'll do horrible things to people to make them bow down to the Antichrist because they'll put so much fear in people that they don't want to die of these horrible things. But some people are going to go through that. And they, but at the end, they will be with Christ. So that's some of the things. I'm trying to give you some of the scriptures. But then, okay, so during that time, we have these different kinds of judgments that are going to take place, okay? And the Antichrist, oh, I want to say some more about the Antichrist. So the Antichrist, um, he has this commerce system, okay? And I want to, I told you when it's some kind of mark, look at Revelation 14 and 9, Revelation 13 and 11. Um, okay, think about where they tell you to put the mark. It's on your hand, and it's on your forehead. Look up Deuteronomy 6 and 8, and where do, they, where do God's people say, show your allegiance to me by putting a mark where? Hand and forehead. So he's trying to do everything to imitate God. And that's why you kind of know who this person is, because he wants to be God so much. And he wants to overthrow our God. And he's, he'll just never be able to do it. But it's not that he's... That doesn't stop him from trying all the way to the end. So the mark in the hand and forehead, he, he, the judgment start, okay? But he also has a little sidekick named the false prophet, which is his, I believe that the way they describe this person in the Bible, that there's some type of religious figure. So that they will be his person to enforce this to happen. Um, he'll come up with all kinds of things, showing this man bringing fire from the sky. And so everyone starts to believe him because, they're saying, well, nobody else could do this, so he must be some kind of a god. And they'll start, but they're believing him. 
maybe not the Christians that have been left behind because they didn't believe prior, but some, a lot of people may believe in him. So the Antichrist, he wants to do something else. Oh, he's not enough just getting all these people to believe in him. He's going to go ahead and die and raise from the dead in three days. The Bible talks about him getting a fatal wound, okay, Revelation 13, verses 3 through 4. And he, after he gets, I guess he gets wounded some kind of way, shot, assassinated attempt or something. Okay. He rises from the dead after three days. Who Who is he mimicking there? We all know who rose in three days, right? So he rises again in three days. His is probably phony because he probably wasn't really dead. And then, because of that, he takes control of the whole world. That's in Daniel 2:42, Revelation 13 and 3, 13 and 1, Revelation 17 and 12. So then what the Antichrist does, he sets himself up as God. I talked about that. And he becomes, he says that he is God and he must be worshipped. So this is when the, the time starts getting bad. There's all kinds of judgments that are come, just going to come across here, okay? The trumpet judgment, and I'll, I'll go through some of them, but some of them are so kind of horrible, I don't want to take, go into too much detail. But if you look at the three types of judgments that start, we start in Revelation 6, verse 1, okay? The first one is the seal judgment, and you can see where it says, and Jesus, the, the, the first seal was open, and um, I'm here because I want to make sure I'm saying this right. Okay, so the seal judgment, the first one, in Revelation 6, it says that the seal was opened, and the white horse of judgment, of the first horseman of the apocalypse, that only horse was the Antichrist, who comes to conquer from the beginning of the tribulation. He comes. The second seal is the red horse of judgment. The color of the red horse indicates the blood and death and destruction. Third seal, the black horse of judgment. He comes forth with a pair of scales in his hand, and he says that um, it's something about monetary system in the military. The fourth field of judgment, another, an ashen horse. The authority was given to them over the force of the earth to kill by sword with famine and pestilence. So all kinds of, and by wild beasts. So you got sicknesses, you have just wild animals just running loose, killing people. I mean, this is going on. Um, the, the, the fifth field, do I see the fifth? Okay, fourth, okay. The fifth field, um, Many of the martyrs of the tribulation will cry out to God for revenge against those unbelievers who killed, you know, who hurt them and killed. Some of them are killed, so they're crying out from heaven at that time. They are told that the time of their vengeance has not yet come, but it will come. So their prayer of vengeance at some point will be answered, and we'll talk about that, but it's not answered until Revelation 16. So the sixth seal of judgment, a great earthquake, okay, this is sixth seal. And that's Revelation 6 for the sixth seal. Revelation 6, 12 through 17. Earthquake, the sun is blackened out. The moon becomes like blood. The stars fall to the earth. I can't even imagine how that would look. The, the sky tears apart like a scroll. Every mountain and island is removed from its place. Hmm. So this will be, people will get angry and start blaming God, and people will start rebelling against God. And some of the ones will still believe in God, those saints that are hanging around, or they've already been executed. And some of them will still be there at the end. Okay, so the people that are there, it becomes so horrible that people were, are praying for death. They're praying for, it says in the scripture that they pray that rocks will fall on them so that they can hide from all this horrible stuff going on. Around them. The seventh seal of judgment introduces the next of seven judgments. So 
That's the next series, which is called the trumpet judgment. Okay, at the first trumpet, there will be hail. Just, just remember, okay, this is what I think about when I think about this hail and fire coming from the sky. My husband and I love to watch the movie The Ten Commandments, and in that movie, you guys probably have all seen it, Yul Brenner, his Pharaoh, and he doesn't want to um, let Moses and the Israelites go, so all kinds of judgments come on. It's very similar to that, but, but ten times worse. So there was one scene where hell was coming down on fire from the sky, and that is very likened to the first trumpet. Now, this is trumpet judgment. Now we're moving. We did the seal, seal judgment. Now we're moving into the trumpet judgment. Okay, the first trumpet judgment, hail of fire mixed with blood, thrown down upon earth, with the result that a third of the earth is burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass is burned up, and many people, um, you know, will see this, but they'll get, they'll just, you know, continue to curse God and blame God. Okay. So now you get into the second trumpet. Okay, we're on trumpets now. This involves, it says, Revelation 8, verses 8 through 9, something like a great mountain burning with fire being thrown into the sea, so that a third of the sea became blind. There's something that looks like a great mountain and it's on fire. What does that sound like to you? A meteor or something. That's what that sounds like to me. Of course, people are, sorry. Oh, my husband said nuclear, nuclear war. So um, it could be that, yeah, nuclear war, something, some weapon of war, maybe something coming from the sky. We don't know what that could be or some kind of bomb, as he said, um, being thrown into the sea. The third of the sea became blood so that a third of the living creatures which, which are in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. And uh, Okay, so you can think about how that would be if the sea became just completely just dismantled and full of blood and dead animals. It reminds me again of that Ten Commandments movie. The third trumpet, a great star falls from heaven, burning like a torch. Okay, this is the one that's near. Burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. So that sounds more like a meteor to me. That star is named Wormwood, meaning bitter. And something in that, it's either some kind of natural thing or something supernatural that God has sent down here, but it's going to come to the earth and, and burn up the land, the rivers, and so there won't be water. The fourth trumpet, in this judgment, a third of the sun, a third of the sun, moon, and stars are dis- diminished. Hmm. This parallels, the, it's also like the plagues in Egypt. Okay, fourth, fourth trumpet, Revelation 8, 12 through 13. Fifth trumpet, Revelation 9. Another star falls from earth and heaven, but this one is possibly Satan himself or some kind of angel because uh, he's going to have a, he's gonna, at that time, that's when they're going to put him in the bottom of sit around that time. Okay, the sixth trumpet, the sixth trumpet judgment is angel, angels who are specially created for this moment. They command a host of 200 million demons to go forth with horsemen and they'll put death upon the third of the people of the earth. Okay? So these are not, I mean, at this time, there's still going to be some Christians left, and I, I don't know how they could survive. The Bible is not particularly clear on that. It does say that during the middle of the tribulation, they cry out, and different saints from that both already killed and ones that are still on this earth are going to be crying out. Okay. So by that time, half of the earth's population will have died in just a few years. Like this is all within a three and a half years. <clears throat> 
Okay, these people, because these people will not repent of the works of their hands, and they um, do not turn away from worshiping demons and idols. Okay? And then the seventh trumpet judgment introduces the bold judgment. Okay, so now we're moving into the seventh trumpet is Revelation 11, 15 through 19. Okay, you can read that. Okay? And so these became, you think those other things were bad. They sound bad to me. But they're even, it even gets worse during the bowl judgment. Okay? So in the bowl, the first bowl, the bowl is poured upon the earth and aimed specifically at those who have the mark of the beast. So everybody that couldn't go without food and had to have the mark of the beast, I'm going to stop and tell a funny story. So I remember this one pastor saying one day that, it is very good for Christians to regularly practice fasting, not only to pray and be closer to God, because that's why, why we do it, and we do it often. But it's also good to just discipline your flesh, because he said some, He said it's funny, right? He was like, some of y'all are going to take the uh, mark of me just because you're hungry. He said, you better be able to go without food. So we go without food. We, can, we practice um, fasting, and we just encourage people to just, Learn how to just crucify your flesh. I know people that can't even go a whole entire day without eating. And I know most of us fast as believers, but I've heard people literally say that I'll get headache, I'll get sick, I can't do I'm like, yeah, but you, if you're a Christian, and we're not going to go through the worst of it, but sometimes things could get bad before this happens. So it's, it's always good to be able to just discipline your flesh about that and to be able to fast. But anyway, so the first board is, bowl is poured out. And whoever has the mark of the beast, they're going to get in a great all kinds of sores on their body because they have decided, and they, it was a free choice. They decided to, to worship the Antichrist instead of the one true God, which is our God. And we know who our God is. So they, they get all these horrible sores on their body. Okay, the second bowl is poured out into the sea, turning the water into blood so that every living thing was, that was left alive, now that's killed too. So now everything is dead in the sea. Remember before it was just half of the creatures. Uh, <clears throat> and now the entire water system and all the animals are dead and they're full of blood. The third bowl of judgment is poured into the rivers and springs of water. That's Revelation 16 and 4. So that all remaining fresh water is turned into blood. And God is just still giving people a chance to repent and they won't do it. Still, some of them are so stiff-necked and hard-headed. And I, I was just thinking one time, just taking the side um, bar, that why would God do all these horrible things? Because it's during that time when he keeps getting worse and worse and worse, all along, I'm, I'm, it's not like that. In the, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm imagining that some people will say, you know what, this God is really true. And some of those people will be so hard-headed, it'll take all of that for them to finally bend the knee and worship God. And then at the end, some of them still never will. I'm amazed because if you don't believe a God, who's doing this then if it's not God? <laughs> like, you have to be just really, I don't know. So I feel like it gets this bad because it takes that level of of per- persecution or, or uncomfortable uh, feeling or horrible events for some people to finally worship God. And many will during that time, you know, so then they'll have to, I don't know how what will happen to some of these people, but so some, so then. People will just be against God, and they'll just not want to worship him. Okay, then the fifth bowl of judgment is an extraordinary heat goes forth and scorches the people with fire. 
That's Revelation 16, 8 through 9. The fifth bowl of judgment, Revelation 6, 10 through 11. The next bowl is poured out on the throne of the beast so that his whole domain is darkened with a blackout. Now, the same thing happened in Egypt during the ten, during the ten plagues with Pharaoh. Remember, he, he was dark for three days, and after that, I think that's when he finally let uh, let them go because he knew that he, Moses' God was greater than anything he could come up with. And that's in Exodus ten twenty one. So it just shows you can look at that and then kind of compare it to what will happen in the end times. So this is the kind of darkness that causes people complete and utter pain, that they start gnawing their tongues and they start, um, you know, complaining about their sores, and they, but they still did not repent of their deeds. I can't even believe that they still wouldn't repent. Okay, the sixth, the sixth bowl. This bowl is poured out on the great river Euphrates so that the flow of water dries up. Now, I want to say something about the river Euphrates real quick because that is one of the signs. Let me tell you something. Okay, if you look at this where it says the river Euphrates will dry up, this word. Okay. Revelation 16 and 12, you can look that up. It says about the river district. Now, let me show you something about the river Euphrates. Okay. You, the river Euphrates, um, God could do it supernaturally because he, cause just like he did it with Moses in the Ten Commandments. However, right now, the river has been a military barrier, I mean, for many years, not right now, but for many years, the Euphrates River has been a big barrier for military uh, movements in that area. But right in the, maybe say within the last, like, 20 years, they started building a dam that can block the block up the entire River Euphrates. That's been in the last 20 years in our lifetime. So when we talk about the River Euphrates drawing up, it could be done supernaturally, and it could be done some kind of way with that dam. I don't know, but that will be something that is going to be one of the bold judgments that you will be shall dry up. Because at some point, the Lord's army is going to walk, march across that, and that's they need that um, area to march across. Okay, so it starts getting where the Antichrist is going to mount a battle against God. Then the seventh bowl of judgment comes. The last bowl is poured out upon the air so that flashes of lightning and sounds and thunder. Okay, seventh bowl is Revelation 16 and 17 to 21. Okay, this judgment apparently takes place in conjunction with the return of Christ. Okay, so right around that time then, when all these things start, start happening, there's a whole bunch of other things. I want to talk a little bit about the two witnesses. So during the tribulation, God will have two witnesses. Okay, that's in Revelation 11, 3 through 8. And these people will be, um, they're going to show up on earth. And I don't know, I don't think the Bible shows clearly if they were already alive. Um, and um, So and it's been said a lot that they're Moses and Elijah, okay? So the two witnesses will be able to minister. They're going to talk, tell people about the Lord. They're going to uh, possibly give comfort to people that are, Christians that are, have hide, been hiding in, in caves to you know, escape. So it says, and I'll read it from Revelation 11 and 3. It says, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy for 200 and... I'm sorry. My page got stuck again. Okay, so they'll prophesy 
And while the time they're prophesying, they're witnesses for God. So that people will not, the people that are wicked, they're not going to want to listen to them. So at some point, these people get murdered. And they get murdered in some horrible, savage way where everybody can see them. And everybody can um, be glad that they're gone. Because apparently the world is really wicked, so wicked that they, they have a complete and total disdain for anybody preaching the gospel. So that when these people begin to preach, they just come up with some way to get rid of these people. And I don't know how, um, what, in what way they were murdered, but I can tell you that it's probably some, you know, a torture type of way that they, they murder people. So it talks about in Revelation 11. Let's read that. Okay, starting at verse 3. Okay. Okay, so it was given a measure of measuring rock. Let's start with one. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for you can give it to the Gentiles. And they will tread the whole city underfoot for two months, like the whole city, of course, is, is, is uh, uh, Jerusalem. And I will give power to my two witnesses, verse 3, and they will prophesy 1,260 1, days clothed in sackcloth. These are the olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God in the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with plagues. When they finish their testimony, the beast, beast um, ascends out of the bottomless pit and will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street a great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, which also our Lord was crucified. And those from people and tribes and tongues and nations will see their dead bodies for three and a half days. Okay, look at verse 9. Everybody is going to see their bodies for three and a half days. How? How? How will everybody from all these tribes and everything see their bodies for three and a half days? Worldwide television. And not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another. So they're going to be so glad to see them gone. They're going to make it like a holiday that they're going to have, have happy times and give people gifts. Um, okay, so then they get re- resurrected. And at the time they're resurrected, the Lord tells them, come up, Heather, or come up here. And they come up here. And they are. that's another miraculous sign for people to see that God is doing this. That's, they're... Um, the two witnesses ministry in the in the relationships to the bowls, I'm thinking it must have come earlier earlier before people before a lot of things started happening. But it's important to remember that God is always gonna have somebody on earth doing something, even in the worst of times. And so he's gonna have a, a bunch a bunch of evangelists. Let me see if I can find what the evangelists are. So oh yeah, hundred and forty four thousand, Revelation seven, one through eight, are gonna preach about Jesus. This is closer to the beginning of the tribulation. Okay, you're going to have the two witnesses. Then you're going to have people uh, happy that the witnesses got killed. But then they'll get raptured too. They'll just, God will just grab their bodies and bring them up to heaven. Many people, other people will be raptured during the same time. Uh, Isaiah 11, 11. Um, those who come out of the great tribulation, 
which is Revelation 7, 14 through 16. So that means that people will come out of the tribulation. Could be people that never took the mark and was were able to survive some kind of way. And I, I, a girlfriend told me about a dream. I'll tell you this story real quick. So she said she had a dream one time. I think I told you all this last time that there was, there was, uh, she was in some kind of way, was, ended up in the tribulation. And she said everybody was trying to get their hands on scrap metal and water. And that they would go places. And she said she went in this store. She didn't have Mark because she was a Christian. And the, some kind of way the guy working in the store was a Christian too. And she said that she could, this is a dream, and I'm just telling you this. She said she looked in that guy's eyes, and he was able to see that he gave her, she said, I need, I don't know, I'm just going to say this, 600 calories to be able to survive until the moon. I'm just making that. I don't remember how many calories she said. He said he gave her blah, 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 hurry up and go. So she started running, and she said, as she, she said, as I was running, she said, I was just jumping over dead bodies. I was doing all this stuff. So she, and then she woke up, and she said that she, when she had that dream, she was in college. And she said she was sleep, sleep so long that she slept all through the day, and they, they had to get the, the uh, somebody to break the door and uh, open the door or something because they thought something was wrong with her because she had been asleep for so long. She said she was having it, and she told me the entire dream, and that's what makes me think she didn't make it up. She said, I don't know how I was able to. She said, but it was like it wasn't a dream. It was like it was true. So anyway, long story short, people have different visions of things. Things are going to happen during the tribulation. I mean, whether it's going to be what she said, whether it's going to be, but I know if there's not food and water, there's going to be a problem, and people are going to do different things to try to survive. So some of these Christians will survive, okay, and I want to go into the Battle of Armageddon, but I think I'm getting close to my time being over. So I want to talk next time, or if we talk again, or I can just talk a little bit about that. So at the end of the tribulation will be the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, so Jesus will come back. And when Jesus comes back, it, that begins the, uh, well, I forgot to talk about some of the ages. Okay, so what we're in now is called the Age of Grace, or the Church Age. So that began uh, from the destruction of the temple, okay? And it ends at the rapture. So we're some people call it the age of grace, meaning you can you can receive Jesus Christ, you don't have to be go through torture or rivers drying up or any other thing like that. Okay? The age of grace is the church age. And that ended it ends at the rapture. Then you have the tribulation age, seven years, then you have the millennial age. So the tribulation age ends when Christ is appearing. So let me talk about when he comes back. So the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place during the, at the very last part of the tribulation. So at the end of the tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, Jesus will come back along with all the saints who were raptured. He's going to have a mighty army and defeat the Antichrist army. So when he shows back up, he's going to be on a white horse. They said millions of saints are going to be behind him on horses. And at some point, they're going to fight with the Antichrist. At the end, he's going to throw the Antichrist in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Okay, um, but right before he gets thrown in, and it's going to be a great war. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. You've heard about it. Um, so Jesus sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, goes to his where he's going to set his throne, and he defeats the Antichrist and his armies. The Antichrist and the beast, what's called the false prophet, are thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation nineteen twenty. So. This battle is going on. Jesus will come back, set up his kingdom. We'll be here. I don't know what we'll be doing or what we'll look like because we'll be in glorified state. But then after that, the millennial kingdom shows up where Christ sits on his throne in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem has to go back to those who are going to um, worship Christ because that's where he's going to sit his throne. Ephesians 1 and 9, Isaiah 33 and 20. 
Zechariah 14, 3 through 4. All these things show that Jesus will have a throne in Jerusalem. A thousand years, they're going to reign with Christ, okay? Um, we're going to reign with Christ. We'll be the Christians that were raptured and came back to be a part of his army. And then the people that got murdered and beheaded, like those people in, over there in the beach, they'll be, all the people that got beheaded during the tribulation will come back. Justice will be um, there and the saints will be compensated. Okay, so life expectancy extends. And he talks about like someone that's 100 years old will be considered a mere child. Okay, so then after the thousand years, and I find this very, uh, you know, I always find this like, why? After the thousand years, they let Satan out. And the reason why they let him out is, and uh, it's been, I've heard it taught, and and um, because there's people on the earth that never had a chance as a Christian to see, to be able to choose, because everything is good. There is, there's no evil going on during that time. So Satan comes back and tries to, he's got, they let him out of the, the bottom of the pit, because remember, he was only supposed to be in there for a thousand years. And just remember the song that I let you hear. He says, we he will wipe away our tears. We'll reign with him one thousand years. That's what that means. Okay, and if you look at the thousand-year um, reign of Christ, I'm going to tell you the exact scripture. So that I'm, I'm telling you, right? Because I want y'all to look this up. Because the thing is, whenever you hear anybody preach anything, me or anybody else, I tell you the scripture because I tell you the scriptures because I like you to read it for yourself. So. The millennial reign of Christ, you can see his, uh, let's see, sets up his kingdom. Make sure I got the right scripture. Okay, I told you already. Okay, so it's Isaiah 33 and, and Isaiah 33 and 20, Zechariah 14 and 34, Revelation 16, 17 through 21, Ezekiel 43 and 7. Um, a thousand years of Christ would be Revelation 20, verses 1 through 15. Okay. But then after that, when Satan gets out of the pit, he leaves one final rebellion against God because he does not want to admit, and he just refuses to accept that he's just never going to be Lord. There's one, and he's not it. So I left out one thing earlier. I don't know if I told this to you yet last time, and I can't remember, but right when we're raptured, we're going to be in heaven going through what they call the um, the judgment seat of the Lamb. And at the judgment seat of the Lamb, and I forgot to say this part, if there's not going to be any negative repercussions. It's going to be like um, you'll get to get certain crowns and, and, uh, and rewards, okay? But then after Jesus Christ comes back, after the seven-year tribulation, sets up his kingdom, it's, called, it's another judgment. And that's called the uh, the judgment Seat of a great right throne of judgment. I'm sorry. The first one's judgment seat of Christ. This one's a great right throne of judgment. And you can look for that in John 5 28 to 29, Revelation 20 5 through 6, Revelation 20 11 through 15. So the people that are at that judgment will be people that never decided to worship God. They may be may have been born during the thousand year time, so they they haven't gone through a whole bunch of horrible things, but they didn't receive Christ, or they decided to to join the Antichrist rebellion. And it's something that I heard one person preach one time. He said, after living 1,000 years of Jesus Christ in your presence, the human heart is so wicked that they'll still try to turn against Christ. Now, remember, because these people have the, they don't have like the, a spirit like us, because we're going to be like in a glorified state. We're going to be in a perfected body where we are, we're, we're not corruptible. 
So the human humankind is really corruptible, and that's a that's a really good proof of it. That even after all of that, some of these people will join the Antichrist and try to help overthrow the, the, the kingdom of God. Okay, and then after that, of course, God um, defeats them forever. He makes the new heaven and new earth, Revelation twenty one one through five. Also, Second Peter three thirteen, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Revelation 20, 1 through uh, 8, okay? And Revelation 21, 9 through 9, and 9, I'm sorry. Yeah. No more tears, no more pain. You've heard that before, Revelation 21 and 4. And I always think it's interesting because I remember in the, in the movie Titanic, somebody was reading that, and they said, there'll be no more tears, no more pain. This is all in the new heaven and new earth. It's true. Um, Jesus throne will be on earth, okay? There'll be no more night. There won't, you know, just be day, and God will dwell among us, and we will also be able to see God. We'll be able to be in His presence, in the perfected presence that He's in. So I, I think that's it. I don't think I have any more to go. But I really, I really, um, the things that I try to talk about, I, I don't do it in preaching because that's my, my gift. My husband is a wonderful preacher. He's really the one that preaches. But I can, I like to talk about this because it's a serious, serious matter. The most serious things that I, I really want you to come away with is please prepare people that you think may not make it. Write them a letter, give them a book. There's a book, that's, the name of it is What to Do If You Miss the Rapture. And it's been, it was out several years ago. I don't even know if they're still printing it. But give them something easy to read that they can get help and don't, don't take the mark of the beast. Um, also... Tell people about looking forward to the Lord because when you look at what some of the stuff that we all go through, you don't want to be in the tribulation. And I, sometimes I feel like, in a way, we're getting a small slice of some of the things that some of these saints are going to go through later on. But God is just helping us. And everybody's made for a certain season. I mean, we're not, I don't think I'd be made for that season when I'd have to run around and, you know, but I'd, I'd always believe in Jesus Christ, so I don't think I'd ever be left in the tribulation. But there'll be some that become Christians. During the tribulation, if they were already a Christian, they're not going to be, they'll be gone. But some of them will, you know, get, I've seen too many movies, and I know this really happens, that somebody will be in the tribulation, and they'll just get down and just on their knees and start praying, and they'll get, become a Christian at that point. But pray for them, because I don't, I don't know what it would be like. I mean, to, I guess you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything, I don't know. So please pray for them. Please tell people to study about the end of the world and the return of Christ. And please tell people to look forward to his coming. The Bible says that you should look forward to these things and speed is coming. And then in First Thessalonians 4 and 7, when it talks about the Lord will come and with, with the, from heaven and take us to meet him in the air, right after that it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. How, and then I heard somebody say, how is that a comfort? How is it a comfort to think about all these horrible things? Because we're not going to go through them. But we're supposed to comfort each other because no matter what we go through, and I mean, we go through some stuff. We really do. I mean, you all, a lot of you are more than me. But people, as, as believers, we're just going to go through things. But he says comfort one another with these words because we need comfort. We need to tell somebody that this is just a dress rehearsal for the real life you're going to have later on. I'm just looking forward to coming back with the Lord and just, you know, battling with him to defeat the enemy. And so I've been in the military and I know, know what that's like. Well, maybe that's why I was in the military, so I can understand some things like that. But please comfort people with this thing. You don't have to tell them all the horrible things that they might not make it. 
But tell them, if you ever hear this, please remember, because I can't even tell you. Don't remember at that time, they go, oh, man, this is what Pam was talking about. Where's Pam? She's gone. There's nothing left but a, but a pile of braids on the floor. <laughs> so I'm going to be missing. And guess what? They're going to know. So please tell somebody. Please continue to pray. Please continue to pray for Israel because they're at the really center of a lot of the prophecy that's going on. And just pray for for each other and for yourself to just continue to look forward to the Lord. The Bible says look forward to these things and speed is coming. So you, I always say, Lord, you know, come Lord Jesus. That's like almost the last thing in the Bible that it says. Nevertheless, come Lord Jesus because we want him to come. Don't get so caught up in this world or anything in it. I mean, we have, you know, we like to live a nice life, and we really do. But I don't want to get caught up in this world. I don't want to be in love with this world at all. I do not want to be in love with this world. I do not. And I, I can tell you, sometimes I get really stressed out. And I think, how in the world could Sodom and Gomorrah have been any worse than what's going on now? I'm like, Lord, if you declare you got rid of Sodom and Gomorrah, what about this earth? What about people murdering somebody, people murdering newborn children, human trafficking, all kinds of things, you know? You hear about all these horrible stuff, and you, you know, he he destroyed the earth twice because people were just not doing well, and they're doing very similar, possibly the same or worse things right now. So we know he's he 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 know he knows when this time is up, and it's gonna be it's gonna be up. So I will ask. Um, I'm gonna close now. I'm gonna just um, read my favorite rapture scripture. I'm not even gonna read it. I'm just gonna say it because I, I love this scripture. First Thessalonians 4, chapter 16. For the Lord will himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the trump of God and the voice, the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And after that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air, and there will we be with him always. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I heard somebody say, it's scary. I'm like, but the Bible doesn't say scare one another with these words. He says comfort one another. So please, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Thank you. Amen, amen, and amen. Oh, thank you, Minister Pam, for that very powerful message about the tribulation and how our faith and trust in Jesus will carry us through it, through to our eternal reward with God in heaven. Now, let us listen to a worship song in light of Minister Pam's sermon entitled, I Pray We'll All Be Ready by the Chicago Mass Choir. That will be followed by the invitation to discipleship which Sister Kim will deliver. Yeah. 
Amen. Uh, we apologize for the poor quality of the sound uh, that came when that hymn was being played. Unfortunately, we don't have any control over that at this time. Now let us listen to the invitation to discipleship, which Sister Kim will offer today. We are at the point in the worship service where we will offer the invitation to discipleship. If you are on the call tonight and you desire to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please remember, Jesus loves you. He is in the healing business for those who are lonely, brokenhearted, or at the end of the road. Some steps to take on the road to salvation. Admit you can't save yourself from your sin. Be willing to, to be willing to repent and turn away from sin. And three, believe that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again. Four, invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer of salvation. Dear God, I know I'm not able to save myself from sin. I know I am not where I want to be, and I want your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. Please wash me clean from all sin, shame, and guilt. Come into my life, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Unite with Refuge from the Storm Church or a Bible-based church in your local community. Read the Bible and start uh, and email us at mgrace321 at gmail.com. That's M-G-R-A-C-E 321 at gmail.com to become a member for prayer, for suggestions on how to start your journey through the Bible. Amen. Thank you, Sister Kim. Now we'll have our closing hymn entitled Emmanuel by Norm Hutchins. That will be followed by the benediction, which Minister Pam will deliver, either Minister Pam or, or Reverend Milton.
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Minister Pamela, for being with us this afternoon, for bringing us. We can be ready for him when he comes. Uh, one of the favorite verses in the Timothy Baptist Church, which is where I grew up as a girl with my grandparents, was Pastor Millicent, you're cutting out. Thank you. As we meet on Saturday afternoon for worship service, we are endeavoring to be vigilant as we eagerly await the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for all of the good advice you've given us on how to write letters to our loved ones. That's great. That's really a a phenomenal um, piece of information that we should all take personally and and do that um leave them leaving them in places where they can be found also keeping that um emergency kit uh we should have an emergency kit under normal circumstances but truly in the day that we're living now um I'm going to uh, uh, going to ask if you would pray the benediction prayer and then those of you who need prayer if you'll stay on the line after the service has been uh recording has ended then we will go right into prayer for those who desire to have prayer Minister Pamela Okay, thank you. I w- I have asked my husband, well he's been here and uh, joining us so I'm is it okay for I'm asking him to give the benediction Hello? Okay, I'll, I guess. Okay, sure. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. May the Lord God Jesus keep you. May he bless you. May the Lord Jesus make his face to shine upon you and your family. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you love, joy, and peace forevermore. May when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our salvation, our reconciliation, our Redeemer, our survive, our King, our Lord. And Lord, we thank you for thinking so much of us that you thought you you didn't think about yourself, but you thought about the whole world that was hanging at the balance. When you went to the cross, you took all the suffering, pain, and the wounds. And we was you was willing to die and did die and would do it again because you loved us so much that you said, I will go and prepare a place for you. There where you may be, I may be also. And you have given us encouragement. You've given us strength. You've given us a reservoir of peace and joy to draw from when we are empty, Father. You've been everything for filling us up when we are empty. And we thank you for filling up the dry places and making them fill. Oh, Lord, we give you honor and glory and praise for every soul 
every pastor, every leader around this nation and abroad in Israel. We pray for all those to stand firm and see the salvation of our God. It's in Jesus' name. I ask you to encourage these people, strengthen these people, and give them a fresh anointing, a fresh reservoir of your love, of your compassion, and fill us up like they were filled on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, that we would boldly proclaim the name of Jesus through the times to come. When this period and this grace period is over, we can say, hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm I'm trying to get the recording stopped. I apologize, y'all. The purpose been playing with my tablet all afternoon. Uh, I'm in a position right now where my telephone carrier is threatening to terminate my service if I continue to meet by conference call over over a certain number of minutes per month. And so I'm having to find alternative ways to uh, get the service. And so we're kind of at their mercy at the moment. In Jesus' name, Spirit, move God. Spirit, move the heart. Spirit. Be ready, O God. You're worthy, O God. You're worthy, O God. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.